Thank you for joining us today as Pastor Tim shares the Word of God. Our prayer is that your life will be touched by the Spirit of Almighty God and constant, powerful truths that can be applied to your everyday life. Let's join Pastor Tim with today's message. Well, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. We'll pick up where we left off. Philippians chapter 4, we start reading in verse 1. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive from my work. Now I appeal to Eudodia, Eudodia and Synthete. I looked up that word, S-I-N-T-I-C-H-E. I always have trouble with her name. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, by pr- instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything, anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. This entire letter from Paul to the church at Philippi is teaching us on how to live in joy. How to live in joy. These first three verses, there's so much for us, for us to glean from just what he says in these first three verses because I believe this is the key to our living in joy. Now, I want to remind you, Paul is in prison. He doesn't know what he's facing, but some have been beheaded for the faith. Some have been set on fire and burned upside down hanging on a cross. Some been fed to the lions. So this is in the back of his mind that he is looking at in his future. And I want you to look at what he writes in these first three verses. His thoughts are on other people and them staying true to the Lord. Look, settle disagreements, help these two women over here. Verse one, look at this. You are my joy. You are my crown. And this is what Paul lives and works for. Now, I'll remind you, yes, 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 he had a tent-making business. That, I guess in this day and time, he would be a home builder. People lived in tents, so he, he would be a home builder. That's what he did for a living, but that wasn't his focus. What he did for a living was not his focus. Other people were his focus. Meeting the needs of other people was his focus. He just happened to meet the needs of other people by teaching the gospel, by sharing the faith, and by building them a place to live in. But see, his focus was not on what he was going through and well, down at his company and well, here I am in jail. I don't even know who's running my business while I'm gone and my bills keep piling up and I don't know what I'm... Look, his focus is all on other people Clearly, the guy had to make a living. Clearly, he paid his bills. Clearly, he 
put food on the table. I mean, this is what, but, but that's not his focus. And when you get other people as your focus, meeting the needs of other people, ministering to other people, and whatever it is that you do, what you do is not your focus. Helping other people is your focus, and what you do is an avenue to do that. You walk in joy. You, you walk in peace. Now, we got to see this in verse 1, 2, and 3. Paul is totally others-focused. All right, verse 4 and 5. Let's move on. Verse 4 and 5, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considering all that you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. See, when you are others focused, then and only then can you be full of joy. Now, you can be selfish and be happy for a few minutes. Uh, you can be, have a quick, happy feeling, but we're talking about not being happy for a few minutes. We're talking about living in joy. We're talking about where your life is happy, where your whole life is full of joy and you are enjoying living and you are at peace with yourself and at peace with the world, at peace with what you do. How do you do that? Others minded. I want you to look and, and I want to keep reminding you of the conditions that Paul is physically in right now. There's no mention of how uncomfortable he was. I'm just going through some things. It's been a hard week. You don't know what a hard week is until you're in a dungeon chained. Back then, it's not the prisons we have today, I can assure you. He's not worried about his finances. He's not worried about his business. Now, when you look, church, this is not religious theory here. We're learning how to live, and we're learning how to think. We're learning how to respond in life in the midst of difficult situations that you're in. And when you live like this, think like this, and respond like this to what life brings you, then you are able to always be full of joy. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Now, if anybody had an excuse to worry, it would definitely be Paul. If you look up that word, worry, I found some interesting things as I was looking at that. Worry in the Greek means to be pulled in different directions. You know, our hopes pull us in one direction. Our fears pull us in the opposite direction. This was interesting. An old English word for worry meant to strangle Interesting. Worry strangles a person. That's literally what it does. It will strangle you. Clearly, all research shows worry definitely has physical consequences. Worry will produce headaches. I mean, worry will produce neck pain. Worry will produce ulcers. And there are physical problems that are produced in our physical body. Worry will produce things in your physical body and in your internal organs. See, one's thinking affects even your physical body. A study that I read, your digestive tract, your digestive system is very, it, 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 it really fluctuates when somebody is in worry. And they can monitor and, 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 and study that. 
from a spiritual point of view, worry is simply wrong thinking in your mind and worry is wrong feeling in your heart. And when I say wrong, it's against scripture. It is against God's plan for you to live like that. Now, it's not enough for you to tell yourself, oh, you got to quit worrying, you got to quit worrying. That's not ever going to stop worry. The antidote for worry is a secure mind knowing who you are in Christ and knowing what he's done for you. Hey, yo, I got to quit worrying. I got to quit worrying about that. I'm just, oh, I got, Tim, I'm just a worry wart, and I know I shouldn't be. Well, you're always going to be until you get a hold of what Jesus has done in your life. When you get a hold of what Jesus has done in your life, then that defeats worry in your mind. If you're going to conquer worry, verse 6 and 7, right praying. Verse 8, right thinking. Verse 9, right living. Now, there's three things he gives us to conquering worry. Now, when you look in verse 6, it's very interesting here. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, oh, just pray about it. Oh, just pray about it. Oh, just pray about it. He doesn't stop there. Now, I want you to look. Two very clear instructions that he gives us. Number one, tell God what you need. But look at this. You thank him for what he has already done. I think this is a little misleading, but the, the, the word prayer is a general word that means making request known to the Lord. That is a general definition of the word prayer, making request known to the Lord. But if you study scripture, at no place do you find that the complete definition of prayer It's adoration, it's devotion, it's worship, it's praise. Prayer encompasses so much more than just telling God what you need him to handle today. Now, when we find ourselves worrying, you got to get alone and pray. But you start off by worshiping God. And when you worship the Lord to begin with in your prayer, then you get God big enough in your mind to handle what it is that you're praying about. When all you think about and all you verbalize in prayer is telling God what you need, now I want you to see this. Your focus is not on God, your focus is on what you need. Is, are, are you, do you get that? Is that clear? That's all your prayer life is, is telling God what you need him to do. Then your focus is not on the bigness of God. Your focus is on all that you need him to do. And what happens too often is when people finish praying, they're more worried than they were when they started praying. And too often I hear people not praying, but worrying in prayer. Because the more they pray, the more worried they get when all they are focusing on is what you need and what you need and what you need and what your problem is and what crisis you're going through and what you need. Now, get this. Understand what I'm saying. When you begin to thank God for all that he has already done, 
the more I think about what God has already done in my life, the more I remember what all he's done in my life. Now, I'm just telling you, when you begin to look back and, wow, look, God, thank you for this. Well, in the middle of you thanking him for that, you'll remember something else to thank him for. And in the middle of that, you'll remember something else that you're so grateful for. And in the middle of that, you'll remember something else that you're so grateful for. Well, that just begins to snowball in your mind all that he has already done. Now, when that is your, God, thank you for this and thank you for that. Oh, Lord, I can't forget that. God, I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful. When you finally do get back to what you need him to handle today, it's about this big in your mind compared to what all he has already done for you. And as you are thanking him for what all he has already done for you, how far he has brought you, what he has seen you through, what he has accomplished, faith is built in your heart because look at what he's done for me. Your faith is built in your heart. Then when you finally do, if you ever remember what it was you had great need of, when you finally get back to that, you got great faith. You see God is big. You see God is powerful. You see God as moving on a regular, consistent basis throughout your life. And it dawns on you, he's not going to let you fall now. He's not going to let this problem wipe you out. After all he has done in your life this far, he's not going to not see you through this next step that you've got to go through in your life. God will see you through. It, remember when the disciples, they started noticing Jesus slipping off and praying, slipping off and praying. So, so look here, you, you got to teach us to pray. And remember when they, they cornered Jesus and said, look, Jesus, you got to teach us to pray. He said, here's the way you do it. And he began to teach them, pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, and then what is it? I need this and I need that and take care of that. No, no, no. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I worship you. I praise you. And you begin to spend time there praising his name, worship, adoration. You see the greatness of God. And then you realize he is truly big enough to handle whatever it is that you need him handling today. Look over real quick just to Luke chapter 17. A familiar story to all of us, but I, I want to make sure that we flip back and see that. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There were 10 lepers, they were all praying. They were all crying out. They were all begging God. Jesus said, go show yourself the priest. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. I want you to look at verse 15. Only one of them. Only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, went back to Jesus, fallen at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. One in 10, one in 10. That's why Paul says, what you gotta do is thank God for what he has already done. Go back to Philippians. 
Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Right praying depends on a right mind to begin with. And this is why Paul in Philippians, in the first three chapters, has been getting our mind right. If we were to recap, we'd go back. Chapter one, we talked about having a single mind. Your mind's fixed on the Lord, fixed on the Lord. We talked about that in chapter one. Then in chapter two, we talked about having a submissive mind. See, a proud, arrogant person not submitted to God doesn't ever ask God for nothing. Then chapter three, we talked about a spiritual mind. You know, a worldly-minded person doesn't know he needs to thank God because he doesn't see anything that God does. So worldly-minded. So you see, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three gets us to this point in chapter four. Paul tells us, take everything to God in prayer. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And when you really pray, like he just taught us, verse seven, then you'll experience God's peace. Well, Tim, I just don't have any peace. I don't have any peace. Well, there's a reason you don't have any peace because you hadn't done this right here. When you do this right here, look at verse seven, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. That is God's peace. In the midst of your darkest hour, in the midst of your most difficult time, in the midst of your biggest crisis, you can walk in a peace that you don't understand. That is from thinking right. That's from having your mind in the right place. His peace, I want you to look at this, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When you give your life to God, it doesn't mean the absence of trials on the outside. It means there can be a confidence and a peace that you live in on the inside. Isaiah 26, 3, I believe it is. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And when your mind's not stayed on him, then you'll have mindful of worry. When your mind is stayed on him, he will keep you in peace. Wrong thinking will lead to a wrong feeling in your life. Thoughts are real and thoughts are very powerful. Even though they can't be seen, I like the definition of the word worry, it strangles you. And it will strangle the life right out of you. It will strangle you. Verse 8. Verse 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Look at this. Fix your thoughts. I mean, it ain't going to happen by luck. It's not going to just fall on you. You will have to fix your thoughts. Why do you have to fix your thoughts? Because your thoughts are naturally going to go wrong. Your thoughts are naturally going to think on whatever's bad, whatever's gossip, whatever's not worthy of praise. Your mind is naturally going to think on what you're worried about. Your mind is naturally going to think on what your mind is naturally going to think on the wrong thing. That's why you have to fix your thoughts. Now, look at this list on whatever's true. 
Here's a survey that I read. This was interesting. Only 8% of the things people worry about are legitimate matters of concern. 92% are either imaginary or never happen. 92% of the things you worry about, you've conjured up in your own mind, or it's not ever going to happen anyway. I'm getting to the place, look, I worry about that when it happens, but I, I, I don't even know that that's going to happen. So why be jerked up about it? Because it will probably take care of itself before I spend any mental energy being concerned about it. And this was interesting. 8%, 92% are, is imaginary stuff that you have just conjured up in your own mind that what's going to happen? Not that that's never what's going to happen. You just conjured all that up in your own mind. Satan wants to fill your mind full of lies. That's just the bottom line. You will have to fix your mind on whatever is true. Whatever is honest and just. Some of your translations say honorable and right. Worthy of respect, right. You, you can't focus your mind on things that are dishonorable and have any amount of peace and joy in your life. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of a good report, admirable, whatever is excellent, worthy of praise. I, I find myself all day long, as I'm thinking a thought, I'm, I got to ask myself, is this a thought that's going to produce happiness in my life, or is this a thought that's going to make me want to go punch somebody? If I keep on thinking this thought, it's going to get me divorced. It's going to get me fired. It's going to get me broke. It's going to get me in a fight. If I keep on thinking this thought, it's going to get me shooting at somebody or somebody shooting at me. Uh, now I see where is this thought going to take me? It's not that I don't have bad thoughts. We have bad thoughts every minute. That's why you got to fix your thought on this list of things right here. And when you start thinking that thought, ask yourself, is this thought going to get me in jail or is this thought going to get me peace and joy? If I keep thinking this, where will this take me? And if you learn to do that, then you can learn to take that thought captive before that thought puts you in this situation or that situation that you never wanted to be in to begin with. Well, I never want to go back to jail, I can tell you that. Well, then you're going to have to fix your thoughts. Because if you keep thinking what you're thinking right now, then you will end up in a place that you never want to go back to. Whatever's excellent, whatever's worthy of praise. Let your mind dwell on these things. Verse 9. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Sin always results in unrest. And you, you, you need to know that. You have to practice godly things. You know, when we say a doctor practices medicine, that means that's what he does. 
That's what you do all of the time. That is the way you live. That, that's what you do. You practice. Now, I want you to look at this. What you have learned and received. Terry and I are just talking about some folks, and I mean, you see this all the time, that are into some things that are clearly not biblical. Now, I am, I'm never shocked, I'm not concerned, nor am I bothered by people doing ungodly, unbiblical things that have not, verse 9, learned about the Lord, nor received anything from the God. And when I'm out here doing business, and I mean dirty jokes are flying and people are using profanity, and then it comes out that I'm a pastor, and oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I said, it doesn't bother me one little bit. You're a heathen. I don't expect anything else but those words. So I don't have a problem hearing a heathen tell a dirty joke because he has not, doesn't have a, a renewed mind. And so I would be shocked if he didn't. Or are you getting this? But, but here's what you have to understand. Verse 9, it's bad when people know God. They've received things from God. It's bad when you have learned things about God. Let me talk to you TC guys right here. You know God. You know God. You've been learning things about God. Now there's a lifestyle that's expected of you. You, you don't keep living like you don't know God. You don't talk like you don't know God. You, you know what? When heathens act like heathens, that's not a shock. But what gets me is when interns come here and are in plied life for nine months and two weeks after graduation, they're out here doing all this nonsense. Look, look at what you have received from God and look at what you've learned from God. You know, our Christian Ministries Academy students in a Christian school, in chapel, worshiping God. See, you received things from the Lord you know the word, verse 9, as one who has learned the word, as one who has received the word, here's what you got to understand. There is an expectancy of those around you that as a believer, you're to put into practice. And you are, look at verse 9, and you are to keep putting them into practice at church, at Christian school, at ladies' Bible study, and on vacation, at chapel, at applied life, and whenever you go home for Christmas break. See, at chapel and at school, at CMA, and when you're out on Friday and Saturday night. See, you keep into practice and you keep putting into practice and you don't leave church and then go out here and post ungodly activities, unbiblical activities that you are having a ball doing. Come on guys, verse nine. You put into practice what you have learned and received and seen. In James chapter one, verse 22, you'll be doer of the word. Don't deceive yourself by coming to church or by going to applied life or, or being a, in, in a Christian school. Don't deceive yourself. Well, I'm a godly guy. I'm going to Teen Challenge. Don't, don't deceive yourself. You practice that. 
it becomes a lifestyle for you. And whether you're here or whether you're gone, whether it's Friday night or whether it's Sunday morning, you keep putting, he didn't say put this in practice in Sunday morning during church where everybody can see you. See, it's a lifestyle that we live. Now, when you look at verse 9, learned, you've learned the word. Two, you've received. Look at the third word, heard. Look at the fourth word, seen. You've seen God move. You've heard God's voice. You have received input from the Lord. You, you have learned his word. You know, it's one thing to learn a truth. But it's another thing to receive it and make it a part of your life. And here's what I want you to know. Facts in your head are not enough. You got to put it into practice. Everywhere you are, all the time. You have to be a doer of the word. We got to be a doer of the word. And it's, it's really sad when folks come right here to church and they hear the word and they hear the word and they hear the word and they know how to live blessed. They know the lifestyle that God blesses. They know the lifestyle that God curses. They understand that, yet they go right out and do what God says he doesn't bless. And then you wonder why your life's all messed up and I can't believe this has happened to me. There's no middle ground with the Lord. There's no fence riding with God. There's no place where you come to church, you act all spiritual, and then you go out here and do other things. Either you yield your heart and your mind to the Spirit of God, and you practice right praying, right thinking, right living, or you yield to the flesh and selfishness and greediness and you will be torn apart by life. You can write this down. It'll lead to your unraveling. It just does. It will lead to your unraveling. It always does. Now you get in with the church, you get in with the Lord, and you kind of get things going your way, and you're starting to feel good about yourself, and, and things are kind of going good for you, but you're not a tither, you're not a giver, you're not a participant of what God is doing. You're not involved in the word. You don't get connected to the body of Christ. And then you can watch a downward spiral. And I'm not wishing that on you. I'm just telling you forewarning. Practice. Get your mind right before God. And you live right before God. And you watch his blessings just be loosed in your life. We got to yield to the Spirit of God. You got to practice right praying, practice right thinking, practice right living, and allow the peace of God. Allow the peace of God to rule in your life. Live in peace and just live in joy. Life's good. Life's good. Don't mess it up. Live in peace and live in joy. You don't know how many days you got left. You have no idea. You don't, have, you don't know how many days you've got left. Today, let's live in peace. Let's live in joy and practice right living before God. Y'all stand.
Lord, we give you praise tonight, your word of direction for us as it guides our thinking and guides our life. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you have been blessed, encouraged, and motivated by today's message. If you are interested in more messages by the pastors at CM Church, please log on to our website at www.cmchurch.com and click on our podcast link. You can also purchase series and other messages at our online store.